Let's start in Isaiah chapter 12. The title of my message tonight is The Wells of Salvation. And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Everybody say grace. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For yea, to the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. This is to the saved community. And in that day you will say, Praise the Lord, call upon His name, declare His Deeds among the peoples make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. Something happens when we praise him. Something happens when we exalt his name. Something happens when even when we're in a crisis, when we're in a storm, we praise the Lord in the midst of that storm. How many of you can testify to that? That when all hell has been breaking loose in your life and you let out a praise, God did something inside of you that manifested on the outside of you. There's something that happens when we praise. Sometimes we need to stop analyzing. Sometimes we need to stop uh, worrying about things that are out of our control and just praise God. Just lift His name up. Thank Him for what you have. Don't fret over what you do not. Have Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Now mandate. Cry out and shout. And the Hebrew literally means to scream with joy. There's a word for screaming in agony. This word is to scream with joy. I mean, this is an ecstasy uh, joy. This means that you are just screaming to God. Because of the great things he has done for you. Cry and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. So my question for you tonight is, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? I don't know how much of God you have, but you have as much of him as you want. Thirst is a key component to you getting touched by God. If you're thirsty for His Word, you'll get in His Word. If you're thirsty for the Spirit, you'll be open to a new move in your life, fresh revelation. If you're thirsty to see a church full, you'll share your faith and you'll disciple people and you'll invite. If you're thirsty for restoration, you'll be a part of someone else's restoration. If you're thirsty for more, you'll sow towards the more. Whatever you're thirsty for, that's what you long for. That's what's missing. That's, that's your desire. That's the desire of your heart. So are you thirsty? I'll never forget last year in March when Jensen was here, he, he, he said, he, I didn't know what he was preaching on. I picked him up and we were praying in the back and he said, I know what I'm going to preach. And he preached about Abraham and Isaac and he preached about Isaac digging up old wells. And it was a prophetic word to me to dig my own well, but also not to be afraid to go dig up some of daddy's old wells that are plugged up to get a fresh word from God. I'll never forget that prophetic word that we don't want to get too modern, too far away from the good old-fashioned Bible, from revival, from the Spirit. And there's some wells that the enemy has blocked up 
and we've got to remove the rocks and we've got to dig so the spirit can flow again. And that message touched me. But wells are throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's something about a well, even if Jacob's well, the woman at the well, there's something about wells. And Isaiah prophetically releases this word about wells and he's talking about salvation. Long before salvation would even fully be understood, he gets this prophetic word. The Feast of Tabernacles, which takes place October 13th, through October 20th in the Hebrew culture. They call it Sukkot. Might have Dr. Collins or myself. We may do a modified teaching of the Feast of Tabernacles when we get to October. Um, But a Sukkot, and this was the most popular feast among the Jews. It was called the Feast of the End Gathering, the, the Festival to the Lord it was also called, celebrated for seven days, and it was so enjoyable it would carry over to the eighth day, representing new beginnings. Each Jewish family would build a small Sukkot, that's why they call it that, tent-like structure in their yard or or upon some property they owned, and they would live in this tent-like structure for seven days to remind them of their wilderness journey. You know, sometimes you've got to go back (laughs) to when you were in the wilderness. Sometimes you've got to remember what God brought you through so you can give a praise in the now. You know, I, I sometimes move on from things too quickly. I think we sometimes move on from things too quickly. We don't celebrate the victory long enough. We don't celebrate what we just came through or what, what demonic stronghold we just got rid of. We move on to the next thing. And, and ministers are the worst because, you know, we move on from conference to conference and speaker to speaker and service from service. And, and I don't think we ever truly enjoy the presence of God. I don't think we spend enough time thanking him. And maybe you can relate to this in your house. But we, we move on so quickly from the big moments in our children's lives. And, and it's like we're on crisis alert. We're all in when something bad happens. But we move on quickly when things are going good. And we don't celebrate their good decisions. We just freak out about their bad ones. Parents, can you relate? God wants us to celebrate. It was a time to remember the wilderness journey, what God had brought them through. It was also a time of thanksgiving for the yearly harvest. And there was a ritual that would take place during this particular time. And the priest would take the golden pitcher down to the pool of Siloam. He would fill it with water. And during this march towards the pool of Siloam, the people would sing Psalms 113. And they would also incorporate the text I read you from Isaiah 12. And then they would worship in this way. And this is what it would say. As the pitcher of water passed through the water gate, the people repeated in unison, Isaiah 12, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So there's a picture. Let me give you a picture. So the prophet Isaiah releases this revelation Years later, during the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of the Ingathering, they're going through a ritual they went through every year at the same time. The priest goes down, gets the water. They're going through all of these things. And when the pitcher reached the water, the water was poured out over the altar as an offering to God. While this was being done, 
the people would wave palm branches and they would say, O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. What a prayer. Save us, give us success. But on one particular time, Jesus was there. On the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, John 7, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, during a religious ritual, during a time where everybody was supposed to say the same things, do the same things, be in unison, don't upset the religious establishment, Jesus' salvation is standing in their midst. But they're too focused on a religious tradition to even recognize salvation standing in the midst of their ritual. May we never be so caught up in religion or ritual that we miss salvation standing in the midst of it. That's what happened. And Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. Is anyone thirsty? Not for religion, not for a ritual that we do every year, but for something new, for a fresh move of God. Water is something that many of us take for granted, especially if you live in Hickson. Our water is awesome. We drink it right out of the fountain in Hickson. We've got great water. But you know there are people around the world that don't have fresh water. We just, RPMI, we just put water in the Amazon through Kirk Moose. We put a filtering system just in one village. There's hundreds of villages that need uh, water filters. People don't have fresh water. If you've ever been on a mission trip with me and you, you tried to drink the water, you know. You got sick, right? And we take it for granted here in the United States of America, but water was a priceless, priceless treasure in Israel during this time. And so Jesus, again, is using common language to release a spiritual truth. Common language to release a spiritual truth. Where there is no water, there is no life. You need water if you're going to obtain and have life. Water in the Bible is always a symbol of salvation. Salvation, like water, is desperately needed by humanity. Psalm 7 verse 11 says this, God is a just judge and God is angry with the wicked every day. So why does one need to be saved? To avoid the wrath of God, to avoid wickedness, to have everything that God intended for them to have. What is the root of wickedness? God gets angry not with you as a person, but he gets angry with wickedness. It makes him angry. What is the root of wickedness. Let me tell you, here's what the Bible teaches about it. Here's the root of wickedness emptiness. An empty person will try to fill that hole inside of them with the wrong kinds of things. Emptiness. When you see a drug addict, an alcoholic, a sex addict, a crazy person, whatever you want to call them, you know they're just trying to fill something. Uh, they're trying to fulfill a real need in a wrong way. A real need in a wrong way. Emptiness, loneliness, 
and unworthiness. They've believed a lie from the enemy, and that lie has caused them to walk in wickedness. Men and women thirst. They thirst for physical water, but they also thirst for spiritual water. Jesus is that spiritual water that you need to refresh you. Living water, the Bible says. Living water. Living water. Jesus Christ refreshes us. It redeems us. This is what it says in Isaiah 28, verse 12. To whom he said, this is the rest which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. The refreshing. It redeems us. It refreshes us. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Here we go. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It doesn't just refresh us, it revitalizes us and re-energizes us. Jesus said, come to me all you, you who labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Rest. God doesn't want you to be weary and anxious and angry all the time. He wants to give you rest, and His water, His living water, will refresh you and redeem you. So there are four things I want to release to you. First, in this text... Isaiah chapter 12, you have an explanation of salvation. An explanation of salvation. Isaiah 12 verse 2 is a hymn chorus used in the history of Israel. I could get Greg up here in his tallit to sing it. He'd look real cute doing that in the back, back there. Greg's my Hebrew roots buddy. In Exodus, these exact words were used to describe the joy of Israel when they were delivered through the Red Sea. Yahweh kept his word and the enemies of the Israelites were drowned in the sea. Do you understand that God will keep his word? God keeps his word to you. If you'll stay focused on God and not quit, you win. The only way you don't win is if you quit. It's fixed. You just have to stay in the game. You find these exact words about the wells of salvation in Psalms 118. In the celebration of Israel's return from Babylonian captivity. So you see, anytime you hear something in the Bible, it shows up in other places. It's a common theme. There's never just one piece of revelation that's not connected to the Old Covenant. It all flows together. And the revelation is that God, the God of Isaiah is the God of Ronnie and the God of many of you. It's our salvation, our strength, and our song, Yahweh. Through His Son, Jesus we are connected, cleansed, saved, and redeemed. Living water. The explanation of salvation, quickly the experience of salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. This is a picture of thirst being quenched, of abundance, and of restoration. Jesus at the woman at the well. Someone had to dig a well. Years before for, the, for a miracle to take place. Don't ever forget that revelation. But this woman, she's been married five times. The person she's living with is not her husband. She goes at the hottest part of the day to the well, hoping she wouldn't see anybody because she was ashamed. She was lonely, empty, and unworthy. Remember? The root of wickedness, she was all three of those things. And she goes at the hottest part of the day, and she runs into Jesus. She runs into the same guy that would say, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 
Same guy runs into him. And he speaks to her, which was a miracle in and of itself because he was Jewish, she was a Samaritan, they didn't talk. They weren't supposed to talk. He was a man, he wasn't supposed to talk to a woman. He, he just decided that salvation was more important than religion. It's still more important than religion and preference. And so he goes above and beyond. But here's what's interesting. This woman's obviously, I mean, she's got some stuff going on. Uh, she doesn't have good luck with men. <laughs> we'll just say that. And Jesus reads her mail, but he doesn't mull over the truth. He says, listen, you've been married five times, and the dude you're living with is not your husband now. I don't think he was being mean. I think he was just letting him know, letting her know that he was spirit and truth. Because the spirit can do some things, and truth can do some things, and they function real well together. But you can't have one without the other. And then it's interesting to me, he starts talking about living water. And if you drink this water, and, and she gives her heart to the Lord, and you know the story. But the interesting thing to me is she wanted to argue theology before she would drink the living water. And, and we're in a culture now where people would rather debate theology. Which mountain do you worship on? The Jews say this, and my people say this, and what do you believe? Uh, it, it's, the same, you ha it's the same thing as in John 7. Salvation standing there, but the ritual is more important than Jesus. And then this woman, you know, she needs a touch from God. She needs living water, but religion's more important than relationship with Jesus. Ritual in John 7, and here, religion. Understand that the enemy will use rituals and religion to keep you from Christ. Keep you from getting everything that God wants you to have. And God touches this woman. He heals her. She goes back and becomes a soul winner. God does amazing things if we'll just accept him. Number three, the expression of salvation. This gets into the mandate. We have to sing, amen? If you're truly saved, worship shouldn't be a problem. A few of you. If you're truly saved, worship shouldn't be a problem. You don't have to worship my way, and I don't have to worship your way, but you ought to worship. Some people cry, some people bow, some people shout, some people jump pews. You know, people worship in different ways. I don't care how you do it, just do it. Get along with God, worship Him. Isn't it amazing, uh, you know, on a Sunday morning or even tonight, you know, when they were leading us, when everybody sings together? Can't you feel something shift when we're all worshiping? There's just a shift, a supernatural shift that takes place when we're all worshiping. So here's what it says. And in that day you will say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the peoples, make mention that his name is exalted, sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. Quickly, we have something to sing, we have something to share, and we have someone to serve. We have something to sing about. What is that? Salvation, that we've drawn from the wells of salvation. That's worth singing about. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. We're not aliens and foreigners to the land any longer. 
Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, Galatians, we are all one in Christ Jesus. That's worth singing about. But it's not enough just to sing. It's also something we should share. And I'm telling you, the moment that we get in a momentum here about sharing our faith, watch out. I can't tell you how many prophets and all these kinds of people have, have been with me the last two years on stage, whether it's Luke Holter or Jensen, and they, they say, get ready, preacher. I'm like, what? Get ready for what? Just get ready. Like, they see something. I see something. I see dangerous potential to the devil. I mean, we are dangerous. If we get on fire and start sharing our faith, it's, it's dangerous to the end. It's really dangerous. And we're starting to see that, and I'm proud of that. We have someone to serve. Got to understand that we're a team, and we serve someone bigger than we are. Our cause is bigger than we are. It's bigger than our personal ambition. It's bigger than the preacher. It's bigger than the worship team. It's bigger than everything. Jesus has called us to something bigger. The expectation of salvation, I close right here. The expectation. We're not only supposed to sing when, during times of thanksgivings. We're to sing this same hymn that they sang at the Feast of Tabernacles that Isaiah prophesied about. We're to be singing this when Jesus comes back. We're to be drawing from the wealth of salvation when Jesus comes back for his church. You've got to expect God to keep his word. If he says we win, and he has, we win. If he says he's coming back, he's coming back. If he says no weapon formed against you will prosper, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. If he says he will restore everything that's been stolen from you, then you've got to believe that you're going to come through this wilderness season that you're in. And in one year, you're going to be better than you've ever been. And everything the enemy took from you, God's going to restore, and you're going to be better off if you stay in the game. I can't tell you how many people in my life have come to me I mean, from all walks of life, every race, every occupation, I'm talking policemen, lawyers, whatever, been through horrible things they didn't deserve, wanted to kill themselves. And I said, if you'll just put God first for a year, in a year's time, you're going to be in a better place. And you're going to be in such a good place, you will never even look back to where you were because you'll be so glad God rescued you from it. See, some of you are in a wilderness right now. I don't even know why this prophetic thing just fell on me, but some of you are in a wilderness right now and you think God's punishing you. God's, God's not punishing you. He's rescuing you. Because one year of wilderness is okay if you get to spend the next seven years on a mountaintop. But if you're living beneath your privilege and you're living a lie and you're in covenant with someone that doesn't love you and that's hurting you, God may be rescuing you from that. <clears throat> and you've got to understand how God works. He's not going to reveal it all to you right away. So what do you do? You do what this says. You praise the Lord. You call upon his name. You declare his deeds among the peoples. You make mention that his name is exalted. You sing to the Lord. 
You cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion. That's what you do during these wilderness seasons. And if you'll stay focused on that and not quit, my God, and have the right expectation, you watch what God does. You watch what God does. The moment, here we go again. (laughs) The moment you forgive that person, the second you forgive them, God starts the restoration process in your life. And what I've seen happen as a pastor, as a coach, mentor, I've seen it. What I've seen happen is when the person who was hurt, cheated on, abandoned, abused, whatever you want to call, when that person that was hurt finally forgives and starts trusting God and starts drawing from the well of salvation, In 12 or 18 months, God has sent them someone better, put them in a better position, promoted them, healed their body, you name it. And the person that caused the pain is now facing some kind of consequence and they don't understand why. But here's how I know that God's in it because the person that was hurt ends up showing mercy to the person that hurt them because God's brought them so far from that that they can even have compassion on the one that did them wrong. And I'm telling you, I don't know who that was for tonight. (laughs) I don't know. But I promise you it was from God because it's not in my notes. And you need to receive that into your spirit tonight. If you'll stay consistent and you'll persevere and you won't quit, You'll draw from the wells of salvation. You dig those wells and you draw from them, from God's word. You stick by the stuff. I'm telling you, you're going to be in a better place in 12 or 18 months. Hang in there. Don't quit. You have to expect God to keep his word. Revelation 15, verse 3 and 4. Just to prove to you that I'm not making this stuff up that we'll be singing. When Jesus comes back, I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues last because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. They held harps given to them by God and sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. Moses at the Red Sea, a priesthood with empty hands and an empty heart. A troubled prophet, Isaiah. A woman who'd been married five times at a well. And angels. And a returning king. All drawing from the wells of salvation. And lifting up the name of Jesus. Bow your head and close your eyes tonight. I don't know where you are in your walk with God. But before we close, for those listening on podcast or those in here tonight it, it, it would make no sense to preach on the wells of salvation not give you a chance to be saved if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you'll be saved 
Ask God to forgive you. Draw from that well tonight of salvation. Just say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your spirit and use me for your glory. If you prayed that prayer, you're saved. But many people in this congregation tonight, you're saved. Or you bear the fruit of a saved person. But there's something in you that has been attacked and you've wanted to quit. So I just want to pray a prayer of encouragement. And then we're going to worship a little bit before we go. Whatever you're going through. I release prophetically at the end of this thing. Forgive, stay in the fight, stay in the race, stay in the field, don't quit. And it will be better. Don't let bitterness ruin you. Father God, I pray over my people tonight that I love, that love me, that love you. Lord, I pray you'd give them strength. Lord, I pray that we would continue to move towards your presence, not our preference in this church. And Lord, I pray that we would be on mission, that we would draw from the wells of salvation, that we would share our faith, that we would praise you, Lord, during the good times and the bad, that we would sing a new song. With joy, we'd draw from the wells of salvation. Father God, I ask you to bless the people tonight. Give them the strength to fight, to carry on, to forgive, to allow you to start rebuilding their lives those who are in the wilderness those who have been in the wilderness and have made it through Lord give them a heart for people who are in the wilderness now maybe they venture off the mountaintop back into the wilderness pull people out of there bring them up with them may we continue to have compassion on the sick on the hurting on the lost on the up and outs as well as the down and outs make us a loving and compassionate church Father Just stand on your feet tonight. Let's worship just for a few minutes before you go. It's 8.01. We're going to worship you out of here tonight. But uh, let's just worship just for a few minutes before you go. Let the Spirit just fill you up before you leave tonight.